Good time had by all. You saw the list of the descriptions there. And we were told to take our dog tag mirrors and look into the mirror. And we wrote some of those descriptions on those mirrors. But uh, they started out the whole weekend by saying, hey, you know that moment? You wake up in the morning, you're kind of groggy. And you look in that mirror. And you look in that mirror for a little... Oh, Children's Church, go ahead, be dismissed. For the Iowa game. (laughs) You wake up a little groggy, you look in the mirror, you look in the mirror a little longer than you normally do, and you just ask yourself in that mirror, who am I? You had that moment? Well, that weekend was designed to uh, bring us to a clarity on that by what God says we are. Um, I also had an example. How do you... How do you know the value of something? It's how much somebody would pay for it. Well, how do you know what something is? Well, you've got to ask the creator of it what it actually is. They're the one that had the intention on that. The mirror. It's the story of today. Judges, chapter 10, if you want to move there. I don't have any scriptures up on the board, so you're just going to have to listen to me read it. But that makes it better, right? When you change things up a little bit. This is Jephthah. I don't know why more people don't name their kids Jephthah, because that's a great name, isn't it? The story of Jephthah is a turn the mirror around and look in the mirror and it stares you right in the face. So I'm just going to jump right into the story here. This is verse 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord over and over. They served the Baals and the Ashtaroths, the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. There's that Old Testament angry God right there, right? I don't know if we like him very much or not. Hey, do you know that God gave you anger in hopes that you would keep it righteous to protect you? If not, you'd just get doormatted all the time, right? Anger is God-given. You and I made in the image of God. Shouldn't be any surprise that he has a little bit of it himself. But he's, his is always righteous. Always. Always cool, calm, and collected. And purposed. So he became angry with the Israelites. Listen to this verse. And now see the other side of God. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. Isn't that just powerful? An angry God, but one who's got mercy because he sees his people shattered and crushed. Have you ever felt that way before in your life? Shattered and crushed? For 18 years they oppressed the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. Israel was in great distress. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. And the Lord replied, When the Egyptians, the Amorites, and the Ammonites oppressed you, and you cried to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? 
But you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods that you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. Oh, I see. You call on me when you need something. That's the name of the game today. And God, through Jephthah, is going to show them a mirror that they can look right in and say, Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, that's bad. Just as in all the stories of Judges, this is another one that just doesn't paint a picture, a good picture of God's people at all. So let's talk about the picture that you and I have potentially painted because this is the story in which you and I need to ask ourselves, have we or are we using God rather than serving him? You and your relationship, maybe you pat yourself on the back once in a while because you consider yourself the giver of the two or the giver to your kids and not the taker. They always say every relationship has a giver and a taker, right? Maybe you've comforted yourself a little bit with being the giver. How about with God? We're on the other side of the coin on that one, right? And if you are the taker in your relationship down here on earth, ah, you need to look in a mirror. And God will present an opportunity where you do look in the mirror. And it's such a humbling experience. This is what happens to the Israelites here. You only call me when you need me. God is magnanimous. The definition for that word is having a lofty and courageous spirit and having a generosity of mind. Those two things combined make a magnanimous person. Someone who thinks well of themselves but also is very generous and thinks well of others and has their goodwill in mind. God is perfectly magnanimous. He is able, because of that, to set up all of the necessary boundaries so that he doesn't become used or continue to be used. If that is the case, and you and I become the taker in our relationship with God, and we only call when we need, and we go about expeditiously taking God for granted, in his boundaries and in his magnanimity, he will do this. Time out. Time out. This isn't going very well. You are forgetting about me, and I love you so much that in all of my blessing and goodness to you, if you are unmoved, I'll have to see to it that an alternative way is presented in your life in which you will see in the mirror the truth, and the right perspective on this situation. And you will get rid of your resistance and be moved in the right direction. So he sells them into the hands of the Ammonites. Okay, so God says, let, let the gods that you've chosen save you. But the Israelites said to the Lord, we've sinned. Do with us whatever you think is best, but please rescue us now. Then... They got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. And he could bear Israel's status as crushed no longer. So here is the part where you and I get moved. Another word for it is repentance. Oh no, I see clearly now. I've got to change my mind about this situation and think differently. 
God introduces the situations into our life for our own good that we are able to do that. So when the Ammonites were called to arms and camped in Gilead, the Israelites assembled and camped in Mizpah. The leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, whoever will take the lead and attacking the Ammonites will be head over all who live in Gilead. In other words, they're saying, if somebody can take the lead, if somebody gets this job done, we'll put them right up there, we'll worship them, and we'll, we'll make sure they got it good for the rest of their life. We'll just put them in charge. So they're reaching out in need. God, we need you. And now we need an earthly leader to help us with all of this. Verse chapter 11 begins with the story of Jephthah. Jephthah was himself one of those Gileadites. He was a mighty warrior. That's a guy we would need. Problem is, his father was Gilead, a great man whom they named that city after. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's real wife also bore him many sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Verse 4, sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Mirror, right? We don't like you, Jephthah, except when we desperately need you. God, we're going to choose other gods over you, except for when it's so bad, and those gods don't come through, and we need you. Mirror. This past week, we did forgiveness letters where I work. You got a choice. You can write a letter to somebody asking for their forgiveness. You can write a letter to somebody uh, saying that you forgive them. Or you can write a letter to yourself forgiving yourself. Three choices, whichever one you feel like in your life you need to write. And then they come to the next group and they read the letters. And one of the counselors there has this nifty little idea that she does that when they write the forgiveness letter to themselves and after they read that letter, which is sometimes very touching for these men, she'll say, hey, let me have your letter for a second. And she'll scratch out their name at the bottom and write God, hand it back to them and have them read it again as if it's written from God. A forgiveness letter to themselves. A great mirror. The mirror is an awesome thing. And God will use it wisely and he'll present the situations that you get to say, oh boy, I wasn't seeing correctly, but now I've got all the clarity in the world. The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, I know, we pushed you away, we sent you away, but we're turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites, and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We swear to God, we will certainly do as you say. And so Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he at Mizpah made them repeat it all over again. 
so that he knew for sure they would treat him well now if he came through for them. Jephthah is crying out for the people who have pushed him away. He's crying out to them for a covenant. Can we have an agreement? A covenant. God has made a covenant with his covenant people, and it's been you and I that have reversed it and forsaken it. Jephthah then sent messengers to the Ammonite king with the question, what do you have against me that you have attacked my country? And this is where we get to see Jephthah go through everything that God went through for us. This is where we get to see Jephthah, a mighty warrior with a good heart, say, okay, I will help you people who at one time totally rejected me. But now we get to see how much it costs him. Costs him a second time. Once forsaken by the people, he says, okay, I'll help. And now you get to see what he does. So he writes a letter. Why are you attacking my country? And so the king of the Ammonites writes back and says, hey, when Israel came out of Egypt and before you got into the promised land, they took away our land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River all the way to the Jordan. Now you got to give it back. And so I don't have time to read it, but Jephthah writes the letter and says, king of the Ammonites, no, that's not the way it went down. When we came up, we skirted your land and we even sent a letter to your king and said, hey, just let us pass through peaceably. But your king said, no, you're not getting in here. And so that's what ensued with the fight. And God gave us in, gave you into our hands. Don't you, when you're God Chemosh, when he gives you a land into your hands, don't you take it? So God gave us the land fair and square. So your history is not correct. And so when God says to the people, I brought you out of Egypt. I parted the sea for you. But you have lost track of your history. And that's the problem here. You have forgotten. You have changed your perceptions about me. I don't know what happened to cause that. But you've lost hope in me. You've lost trust in me that I can deliver you. That I am all that you need. That I can bless you. That I can make you have a contentment in life. But for some reason, you forget it all the time. You lose hope in me. You lose trust in me. You forget how good I am to you. And you go after other gods who are no gods at all. This is what happens to Jephthah. He's dealing with someone now who's forgotten history. Do you know how hard it is to go up against someone who has wrong and inaccurate perceptions about you? Think about that for a second. You get unfairly accused. People take you for granted when you've sat there and given and given and given. People are people, aren't they? And they so easily in their self-centeredness lose track of God, even of Jephthah. So Jephthah writes back and says, no, that's not the way it went down. And so the king of Ammonite, however, paid no attention to Jephthah's letter, to the message Jephthah had sent him. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah and Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. God, 
if you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of my door at my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Do you know what it was that came out? We'll get to it in a second. But here you have Jephthah providing for the people of Israel a mirror. He is returning to help the people who had one time forsaken him. And now he makes a sacrifice even to do it. God gave you your life. And through sin, you separated yourself through him. And now, a second time, he comes to you. But not only that, he sacrifices heavily for you. This is Jephthah doing it as a mirror for what God has done to us. And by all rights, they should put Jephthah up on the throne of Israel. By all rights, they should make him head. By all rights, they should give back to him, just like the people of Israel should do with God. Okay, so long story short, and an Iowa game's about to start. Jephthah goes out, and he conquers the Ammonites, and it describes he went in and just ransacks 20 cities. Jephthah got the, got, got the job done because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And when Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of timbrels. She was his only child, except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh, my daughter, you've brought me down, and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. My father, she replied, you've given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have promised now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. You may go, he said. And he let her go for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never marry. After the two months, she returned to her father, and he did to her as he had vowed. And she was a virgin. From this comes the Israelite tradition that each year the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite. Jephthah the Gileadite, who should have never ever helped people who had forsaken him, and should have never, ever been asked to give his own daughter for them. Jephthah ruled over Israel for a couple of years, six years it says. I hope they were good years for him because he deserved them. You, friend, are a servant of God and don't forget that. It won't go very well for you if you forget that. Because his son sacrificed heavily for you. And God, the Father, will go to great lengths to honor his son when you dishonor him. Now he does this gently 
because his anger is righteous when he does it. But you know what? It's time for us to get it right. It's time for us to start sleep, stop sleeping in church. And it's time for you and I to listen up to this message or the mirror is going to come. And the mirror doesn't reflect very well. And what you might see in the mirror may cause you to say, oh, wow, God is good. And that's good. That's what we want. We want everybody to say God is good. Let me redouble my efforts to serve him. But friend, when you look in the mirror and have to be reminded that God is good, it plays with our shame. And we start messing with a fire that we don't want to mess with. We start considering ourselves half a man. We start considering ourselves a less than average servant to God. And we start saying stuff like, God will never do that in my life. God can never accomplish that in my life. Look at me. I haven't served God very well. My dreams aren't ever going to come true. We start saying a bunch of junk that's not true of the great God. And that all started because you and I didn't recognize him in the first place. Or we lost track of history and we forgot. Today is the day to stop it all. Today is the day and the key is the repentance where you and I finally change our mind about things, change our mind about God. No more going it on my own. No more having my own plan. No more secret sins. Come on. We got to have the fortitude to get over those secret sins. They are entangling us and they shroud and cloud our perception of the great God because we're choosing them over him. Ben, you don't understand how hard it is. Yeah, I do. But this is where you and I develop the spiritual muscle that will then take us to the places that God uses us and puts, puts his spirit in us and produces the fruit and the dreams through us that we want. But you and I got to have an accurate view of history and all the great things that he's done for us. He has given you your very life. But the school you sat through doesn't tell you that. In fact, it tells you you came from monkeys. And we believe it. How do we believe that? We misperceive what we see in the mirror. And the shame and the guilt causes you to look in the mirror and actually believe that you came from a monkey. How do we get that far off? It's because we've forgotten and forsaken and chosen other gods over him. And so we meander on a way of deceit and we don't see clearly. This is John chapter 1 in the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9. The true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, 
but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. First having forsaken and said, God, I don't want you. And now through his son, you and I can become sons adopted into his family, royal and heirs to all that he has because he is our father. The story ends in Jephthah with the tribe of Ephraim coming to him and saying, why didn't you call us? Why didn't you call us to battle? We would have helped you. And now we want to fight you. And so that's what happens. Jephthah and the Gileadites across the river get in fight with the Ephraimites, the same brothers and sisters, and they kill a whole bunch of the Ephraimites. And what we see is God's covenant people not recognizing God, and so they fight among themselves and and put each other to death. What a mess. And God, through Jephthah, just says, here's a mirror, look. And be reminded of how good I am to you. And be reminded of how costly it was for me to be good to you. Let's pray. Reminders and reinforcers, God, boy, do we need them. And boy, do we need them often. Because we so easily forget how good you are to us. God, help us. Help us to see clearly. God, it's amazing that in your righteous anger, you don't punish, but all that you allow in our lives is designed to bring clarity back to our vision, vision to see how good you are to us and how good you can be to us. God, you handle us perfectly. You handle us with full love. You are a great God. May it never be that we forget you. May it never be that we choose anything over you. And may it be so today, God. In your name we pray. Amen.